What's happening, podcast listeners? We're back on a fabulous episode with my boy Mike Lee. Mike Lee is a former pro boxer, top 10 world champ. He has boxed all around the world. He boxed uh, at a uh, showcase event that he tells a hilarious story about boxing at Notre Dame. Um, but one of the th- cool things that I love about Mike is that he uh, is not afraid to talk about getting knocked down, and he's not afraid to uh, you know, relate that to what that's like in the world of entrepreneurship, which post-boxing has led him into being the co-founder of My Soul CBD. If you're a CBD fan, I promise you've heard of his company, My Soul CBD. Fabulous business, doing amazing things, changing lives, and uh, Mike is just a fantastic guy. So, uh, Mike, I just want to say thank you for the man that you are. Thank you for the influence and the the leading that you're doing, and uh, keep changing the world. Thank you, sir. Mike, thanks for being a guest on the show. I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Uh, for once in my life, I'm recording in a warm weather climate. Sounds like you too. Yeah, I'm in beautiful San Diego, man. I'm I'm born and raised Chicago, so I'm Midwest like you, and I just had to get the hell out of the cold. <laughs> Chicago right now, I think, is like hitting record low temperatures, and so I'm 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 sure you're very happy about that early stage investment on that. <laughs> I mean, with years of shoveling snow and scraping ice off your windshield, it just it took a toll on me. So actually. I think from 21 on, I was in Texas, then California. And uh, yeah, I mean, I love Chicago, love the Midwest. But um, yeah, I had to get to warmer weather for sure. <laughs> love that. So I'm excited. You've got a you've got a very dope company that I'm excited to hear more about. But I also know you have uh, quite the sports background as well. But without further ado, you mind just giving your life background a little bit of life story? I'd love to hear it. And uh, we can go from there. Yeah. So I, like I said, I was born and raised in Chicago and, um, you know, was always an athlete my entire life. So, uh, you know, that's kind of just what I identified as, um, and you know, where I got purpose and, and meaning in my life. And, um, boxing was really the sport that took off for me. I was just absolutely obsessed. I was eight years old when I was first brought into a gym and, uh, I'll never forget. I got my ass kicked the first time, um, I ever, I ever fought, you know, now they, they call this, um, you know, child abuse, but at the time my dad threw me in a ring at eight years old, had never boxed before. And next thing you know, I'm boxing a 10 year old kid who had boxed. And I remember going three rounds with him and got my ass kicked, but absolutely. I, I loved it. I loved the competition. Um, and I had this chip on my shoulder ever since then that I wanted to get better. And so, you know, my journey from there just kind of took off and I started getting better and better. And as a teenager and um, in college, I started winning tournaments. I won the Golden Gloves in my class. Um, And next thing you know, I got a call from Top Rank and um, Top Rank ended up signing me. And to me, that was like getting a call from the New York Yankees. I mean, Top Rank is one of the best promotional companies in the world. They'd signed Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, Oscar De La Hoya. So um, I had this choice where, you know, at the time it was going to, um, you know, the job world or pursue my passion, which was to become a world champion. And so I knew no matter what, that I wanted to go to bed at night, knowing that I went for it. I mean, I've always lived by that. I've done some stupid, scary shit in my life, but I've also done some things that have paid off. And I've always let, never let the the pain of regret kind of, you know, get in my way. So I ended up signing with Top Rank, turning pro, um, even though a lot of friends and family kind of even warned me against it. I mean, I, I had people in my life that knew I was, you know, very skilled and, and had this dream, but also knew that boxing is a dangerous sport. I mean, 
you don't play boxing. You play basketball, you play football, but you don't play boxing. It's a sport where, you know, in 2019 alone, um, three fighters died um, from injuries sustained in the ring. So I knew that going into it, but it was a dream of mine. So I had an incredible career. Um, I ended up getting uh, to a record of, of 21 and 0 and then fighting for a world title, my last fight um, and getting my first loss, but fighting for a huge world title at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Um, I'm just blessed, man. I, I had a phenomenal career, but a lot of ups and downs in between. Um, I had almost two years off where I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and in and out of hospitals and thought my career was in jeopardy and my life was almost in jeopardy. So um, I definitely have, have gotten knocked down both, you know, in and out of the ring, but it's taught me so many lessons, um, not only in sports, but entrepreneurship. And I retired about a year ago and um, now I'm growing a business and just honestly grateful not to be getting punched in the face every day, but so, so grateful that I got to, you know, work and bust my ass and achieve something and go for something that, you know, most people didn't. I, I'm grateful that I got to fight in Madison Square Garden and Cowboy Stadium and fight on ESPN and HBO and um, got to get my ass knocked down in front of a million people on TV and also fights where I jumped on the ropes after a knockout in front of, you know, thousands of people in the arena. So um, had a lot of failure and a lot of wins and wouldn't wouldn't have it any other way. So eight-year-old Mike Lee, who whose dad threw him into the ring, were you like was that was was punching a kid back or you know getting smacked in the face and punching? Was that natural to you? Was that unnatural? Was it just so foreign that you just went for it? What was like the early, early, early like first couple fights? Even before that, like were you trying to be a fighter? Were you interested in that? What was that like? Not really. I mean, I was always really scrappy. And was your oh, real quick, was your dad a fighter? Was that where that came from? No, my dad actually played minor league baseball. Oh, cool. And, um, but my dad and my family, my, my, my mom and dad grew up inner city Chicago, really tough upbringing. You know, I, my dad is one of my heroes. He, um, you know, is a guy who really pulled himself up out of a really tough neighborhood and uh, gave us a life that he never had. So he was always really scrappy. So he was a fighter outside the ring, so so to speak, the way he kind of, you know, is and grew up. But um, yeah, for me, my nature wasn't fighting. And even to this day, I don't like conflict. I love competition, point blank. So for me, the boxing, when I first got my ass kicked at eight years old, that was more of me having a chip on my shoulder. And even my entire career, you know, as an athlete, you always have people chirping online or journalists saying you're not good enough. You'll never be this. You'll never be that. I I use that as fuel and I love the competition. So I didn't enjoy fighting, so to speak. I just loved the art of boxing and competition and getting better and better. Was uh, in the fighting world with MMA as popular as it is, was boxing always your go-to path? I know you mentioned you grew up playing other sports as well too. I mean, yeah. when you thought about competition, when you thought about, you know, you're just that chip on your shoulder, was it always pointed towards boxing to start or is it just you were that way in general? Yeah, I think I was, I was very good at baseball as well. I, you know, I think with any sport, some of it is innate and some of it is like learned and how hard you're going to work. Um, and for me, boxing was the only sport I played that, yes, I felt like I did have some God-given physical talent, but I also outworked everybody when I was younger. I was obsessed with training and other sports. I didn't enjoy practice and training. So that's kind of how I, I knew I 
could possibly become, um, you know, a world ranked fighter and, and fight at that level is because, you know, you start to realize that passion exceeds everything, man. Like, especially once I got to the top 10 in the world, I started to realize, you know, oh, these guys are monsters, man. Everybody is fast, strong, smart, talented, but what separates you is the mindset, man, is how you perform when the lights are on, the cameras are on and how passionate you were. So for me at a young age, I was just obsessed with it. I would just outwork all the other kids. For a professional boxer, for somebody who's never gotten punched in the face, what's that? Give, give, give a little audience, uh, explain that to somebody. I mean, in your world, when you get punched in the face, obviously as a pro and getting paid to box, you know, you're punching back, right? But for somebody who's never gone through that, what's that like? Well, it's interesting. The worst part before it for me was right before the fight started because you're so excited, but you're nervous and anxious and ready to get started. So in a way, I almost welcomed getting punched and like just getting the fight started and seeing what the guy had. So it kind of like almost like calmed me down just to like get in the flow of, of things. But adrenaline is an incredible factor, man. I will say that. I mean, I've had broken hands, broken noses, broken ribs, and some crazy stories uh, with fights around that. And it, it's incredible how much adrenaline will mask the pain because as most fighters will tell you, yeah, you're going to have really painful moments, but when the lights are on, the cameras are on, you're in such a, a focused state and a zone that like you almost don't hear the crowd at moments. And you almost are in this like movie-like aspect where only certain things are hyper-focused and dialed in. And it's like, I guess it's the way, the brain's way when you're in fight or flight to really focus on what you're doing because, you know, your brain does think that you, you are in fight or flight and that you, you're right, your life is at risk. So um, while there are painful moments, any fighter will tell you it's usually the next day slash week that you're feeling it the most. When the adrenaline wears off and you wake up the next morning and everyone's gone and you're sitting in your hotel room win or lose. And you're just like, wow, I feel like I got hit by a truck. <laughs> I definitely, uh, I have not been a boxer and have not been a pro boxer, uh, for any stretch of the imagination, but definitely post sporting events. There's no feeling like, like two hours afterwards, definitely win or loss. You're hurting no matter what. <laughs> um, in the, in the sport of boxing, especially when you got to the level that you got to was, uh, um, is there a lot of respect among guys? I mean, obviously you're fighting each other, so there's got to be some smack talk and there's got to be some hate, but like all in all, is it relatively respectful or is it relatively like hatred towards each other? No, I, honestly, I think it's relatively respectful. I mean, most fighters will say like you respect anybody that hops in the ring. I mean, you just know at that level, the dedication and sacrifice it takes to get there. So for me, like, yeah, you'd get in fights where, you know, my last fight, for instance, like multi-city press tour, you know, I don't like the guy, but I respect him, uh, you know, and I always said that. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I respect anybody gets in that ring because of that reason. So it ends up becoming a tight knit community. But yeah, you get a lot of beef. You get a lot of um, real animosity. I mean, you're not only fighting each other and, and risking your lives, but you're also trying to feed your family and feed yourself. I mean, so it's like either he's going to eat or I'm going to eat today. And so, um, you know, that definitely causes some resentment, but the respect is always there for me. 
Do you think um, guys who kind of keep their career going longer than they should, do you think most of that's related to just like that high and that flow state you were talking about in the middle of the ring? They're just can't find anything else in life that gives them that. I mean, what, what, what is it that you like, and maybe it's not just, I mean, it's probably any sport in general, but like the people who that keep going a little bit longer than they should, do you really think it has to do with the fact that they just want that high again? 100%. And yeah. you know, you hit the nail on the head. I have a lot of buddies that are either fighters or are trained with in, in the NFL, won Super Bowls, you know, athletes in general. It's crazy because you have this industry and this passion that you have been doing since you were a little kid. And it's it's even you get that high in that rush. It's the best drug you'll ever take or feel in your life where, you know, I got to jump on the ropes in Madison Square Garden and those 10 seconds was enough sacrifice for the years and years and, and months of, of work and blood, sweat, and tears literally that I would put in for those moments. I mean, same with the world title fight. It's, it's wild that like you train your whole life for something that lasts 36 minutes. If it lasts that, I mean, it might, you might get, you know, a first round knockout or you might get knocked out early. So, you know, you're chasing that feeling. And for me, now that I've gotten older and had some time to sit back and reflect, I actually think I probably fought longer, a little bit longer than I should have. And most guys fight longer and, and are in the sport longer than they should. And that's when you get hurt, man. You get hurt when you're not as sharp, but you know, your body won't react. And it's a scary thing because your mind says you want it, but your body won't let you. And you're competing against young, hungry guys that are coming up. So you know, as I started to deal with a lot of injuries, um, you know, deal with the autoimmune disease, a lot of daily pain, I feel like I probably should have called it quits a few years ago, but I just couldn't because it wasn't about as much of the adrenaline rush as it was my identity. Like since I was eight years old, how I received love and admiration and basically being told I am enough um, internally to myself subconsciously was through sports. So for me, I was like, well, if I retire now, what am I going to do? And how am I going to feel like I'm loved and I'm enough and I have purpose. And that's the biggest thing. It's like, you wake up that next day and you're like, well, who am I? If I'm not this thing that I've created my entire identity around, I mean, around big fights, that's when I would get text messages and love from, you know, friends and family and fans. And then all of a sudden it kind of goes away. So that's one of the biggest things is, is identity shift and how you transition out of that. Yeah. That's a scary thing. I mean, you think about, uh, any athlete, I mean, sport is such a, such like a universal way to get validation at such a young age and to wrap your identity up. De definitely like, don't get me wrong for, for good in so many different ways, but at the same time, like, who are you above and beyond the athlete? And if your whole life you've only been, I mean, good or bad, you've just been associated as a boxer and a you know really, really good one. Uh, and then all of a sudden that's no longer there. That's no longer fueling it. Or you lost, you want to get that back. I mean, that's a, that's a tough cycle. That's a vicious cycle to get into. Do you think, uh, d did that change after you were done? Or did you start to realize that, you know, throughout your career, when did that kind of momentum shift of like, you're more than a boxer happen? Yeah, I think for me, when I started dealing with significant pain, both physical yeah. and mental, um, as I mentioned before, I I was diagnosed with autoimmune disease um, uh, in the beginning of 2013, which put me in and out of hospitals for almost, you know, almost two years out of the ring. 
it was a scary moment in my life. I, I was dealing with a ton of inflammation. My immune system was shutting down, chronic headaches. You know, I just, my body kind of broke down and I still deal with pain today, but uh, nothing like I was. But at one point I was on eight different medications and doctors telling me that, you know, I, I shouldn't fight again. Um, and I probably wouldn't. So that was at 12 and 0 in my career. I was like 26 years old. I was undefeated on top of the world. I just fought in Madison Square Garden. Um, I, I was featured in a couple uh, Subway uh, Super Bowl commercials. I mean, I, I felt immortal, man. And so that really humbled me getting that sick and, and realizing it can all be taken away from you. And yeah, because that's not even that's not even another boxer beating you. That's like a life circumstance out of your control that all of a sudden says, nope, we're going to slow you down. Yeah, I felt helpless, honestly. And I think for a lot of people, it's a good point. Like a lot of people that deal with issues like that, you feel like, well, why me? And I definitely went through that like victim mentality. And it wasn't until that pain forced me to say, okay, listen, these are the cards that were dealt. I'm going to play them differently. Like, how can I turn this into advantage? How is there a silver lining here? You know, you know, how can I make this work for me? And so I started really changing how I, I thought, you know, I started doing things like meditation, really changing my diet, diving into all natural uh, resources. And instead of like constantly, I was just completely addicted to painkillers. So it was messing with, with everything, all the um, chemicals in my body. And so anyway, that journey really taught me a lot. And I think to circle back to your question, it, it wasn't until I had significant pain that I started to realize my body won't perform. And I actually started losing the love of it and the passion that got me there. That's really what scared me the most. Early in my career, I was willing to, to run on that treadmill and beat you until we both passed out. I was willing to die in that ring. But once I started to get significant pain day in and day out, my passion for the sport started to diminish. I started really kind of half-assing training and it got scary because I knew I was competing against monsters and killers in that, in that division, top 10 in the world. So, um, you know, that's when I kind of realized, okay, this, this needs to be my last few fights. Yeah. Um, la last question about boxing, then we'll move on, uh, to hearing more about the business. But, uh, do you have a favorite moment? And it doesn't have to be a win. It could be a loss. It can be eight-year-old you. It could be current you. But from your boxing career, do you have like that that one moment that that lives in your head? Yeah, I, I mean, God, I have a bunch. But yeah, I was about to say it's impossible to pick one. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the impossible question. But I have a few. Um, I have a few that stick out to me. But one in particular was uh, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. So my my seventh pro fight. Um, I went to Notre Dame, uh, they're my alma mater in Indiana. And so, uh, myself and top rank put on the first ever professional boxing match at Notre Dame in its history. So I was the main event. It was kind of like the homecoming, uh, for me. Uh, so no pressure. We had thousands of people in attendance. The ring was in the middle of the basketball. Not to mention like you're like, wait, are you, are you in school at this time or are you graduated? No, I had already graduated. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Right. 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 I'd already graduated. I was probably about two years out. Um, so still a lot of connections to the school, but yeah. yeah, I was about to say you're literally performing in front of all your peers, like <laughs> not just fans, but peers. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah. And they, they were all there too. And like, it was, uh, it was a wild moment to be, you know, 22, maybe 23 years old. And it was really cool. You know, most of the proceeds of the fight, we donated to a handful of children's charities through Notre Dame. It was just like, 
such a cool event that like in the moment I was so focused on winning that now I look back and I appreciate it more. But we had Regis Philbin was the MC in the ring. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Uh, Condoleezza Rice's ringside with a bunch of, you know, Mike Bray and a bunch of other Notre Dame alumni um, because it was the night before a, a home football game uh, the next Saturday. So I think it was on Fox or something. I forgot who broadcast it, but in that fight, you know, I'm undefeated. I come in, I end up getting knocked down for the first time in my professional career. And I'll never forget how quiet the arena got. <laughs> that, that was the first time you could hear the arena. <laughs> exactly. And I remember getting hit with a left hook and it just, it's the shots that you don't see that hurt the most. Right. Which is honestly a great analogy for life, but all of a sudden I'm on the mat and I remember thinking, why am I looking at the ref's shoes? I was, I was confused and I barely got up and beat the 10 count. This was like round two and I had 30 seconds to get out of the round. And I just kept saying to myself, be calm, Mike, be calm. I think I was very mentally strong at a young age and I would do all these like visualization techniques of the fight and stuff like that. So that if this happened, I feel like I'd be calm. And so I survived the round. I think it was round three and I ended up coming back. I could finally feel my legs. I mean, I couldn't feel my legs for a full 60 seconds. I don't know how I got up and survived the rest of that round. What a weird feeling. <laughs> it was a weird feeling. It's almost like you're stepping in like quicksand. Um, oh you know, your legs are shaking and this guy's coming after you and there's thousands. Of yeah. I was about to say, that's just like a weird feeling in a room by yourself, let alone with a freaking killer coming after you not to mention thousands of people watching that. That's what like amplifies how extreme that is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that right there is why this is one of my favorite fights because I ended up um, breaking his ribs with a right hand to the body two rounds later and I won the fight. Right. And what's important to me in that moment is as you, as you mentioned how damn crazy it was, it honestly taught me, how mentally tough and physically tough I was. I was so scared up until that point of what would happen when I got knocked down just because I didn't know. You know, I, I I had all these ideas. Oh, you'll get right back up. It'll be like Rocky, you know, but you don't know what you're made of until you get punched in the face and you're on the mat, point blank. So I needed that moment and it just happened to be in the biggest fight of my career at that point. And so I'm so grateful because I look back now and realize that fight and getting knocked on my ass matured me so much because the next 13 fights, I came in with so much confidence because I was like, well, shit, I've been knocked down before. I'm going to get back up. So it was one of the coolest moments for me because of all those elements. And just because at a young age, I kind of learned, you know, that if you're going to beat me, you better, you know, you better kill me type mentality. And it really taught me how mentally strong I was. And I'm grateful for that. Well, there's no better transition of a comment like you don't know what you're made of by getting uh, knocked down and, you know, literally laying on the mat and having to get back up than the transition to being a business owner, which I... <laughs> There, I, I when you said that early, you mentioned something about that earlier on, and I was thinking, man, he definitely actually figuratively knows what it's like as well. Uh, you know, owning a business.
A quick word from our sponsors. Do you need someone to help you demystify the digital marketing experience? Our fantastic and wonderful partners at Symposia Labs offers a free strategy session to talk you through your marketing presence and plans. Symposia Lab has a team of coaches who can help you navigate how to find uh, the people that you want to talk to, work with, you know, do business with sell products to anything that you can imagine from a digital marketing perspective, from building a marketing team to building a website to building a brand. This team wants to partner with you to help you grow. Take a look at Symposia Lab and Tim Haynes is their founder and CEO and is just a phenomenal person. And I would highly recommend that you find him either on LinkedIn or SymposiaLab.com. So, so I know a little bit about the business, but will you, will you tell, will you tell the audience a little bit about your company now? Yeah. So you know, because of all this pain, as I mentioned, I was searching for yeah, uh, yeah, and even even the adolescent story for sure. Yeah, I was searching for uh, natural alternatives, and I was you know tired of the painkillers and the I was on anti anxiety medication and just everything, and so I discovered CBD amongst many other things. But CBD was one of the big uh, pieces of the puzzle, so to speak, that started helping with anxiety and pain, and so. I just started taking it and then WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency, uh, approved it for use. And so um, at that point, you know, I felt like I turned to my sister and I was like, man, this is really helping people. Um, Let's help people. Let's turn this into a business. And so we started the business just bootstrap. We literally, I was in between fights and it was actually the timing was serendipitous because uh, in between these two fights, I had broken my rib. I just fought for a a junior world title and I broke my rib in the second round. I ended up winning the fight somehow. I spent the whole night in the hospital that night. Um, But I had like six to eight months off. And when you break a rib, there's really not much you can do. So it was kind of like the birth of this business. I was like, well, I love CBD. I want to help people get out of pain. It's my new passion. Let's see how this does. And so Angie, my sister and I um, started it and it just kind of took off and it's been incredible. We're two and a half years in now. Um, we've helped thousands and thousands of people. Um, it's just really taken off to help people with anxiety, sleep, inflammation, and all with uh, zero THC. And so um, it's been really, really fun and a blessing in disguise. And, you know, you talk about things happen for a reason. I, I truly believe that, you know, God gave me this pain and these autoimmune diseases and, and whatnot to steer me in this direction because it's kind of given me a, a purpose. It's given me a, a why now that I know I would have been so damn lost without um, after boxing. You know, it's uh, it's just it's it's crazy to hear you say that because there's not many people on the planet who can say something like a, a diagnosed with a disease or the pain or injuries or anything like that and can spin that into, I know exactly why that's happened in my life because I can turn it into something good. And uh, so I just, I, number one, just want you to know I'm encouraged by that because that's a, that's a unique mindset to take on the world. And that's, that's awesome. And the fact that you're doing it with a company is even, even further, just amazing. Um, specifically like with CBD was, were you taking this as like a, you know, and it, number, I, I guess specifically to get to CBD products, were you taking this as like a pill format before you went to bed during the day? What was like for somebody, you know, let's, let's first take a boxer and then let's bring back to like normal life people. Were you taking this as like a, a you know, basically a painkiller replacement at night to fall asleep during the day? Give me, give me the rundown on that. Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I, that means a lot. One thing I will say too, for anybody listening is 
when you're in pain and dealing with these issues, it's, it's so difficult to see that it's going to be a gift. But I always say that pain is a gift. It is the ultimate catalyst for change that you have. So if you can see pain as a great catalyst for change, that's much needed when maybe you were comfortable um, or maybe it opens up doors that you never knew you had, that's the way to look at it. And I still deal with pain. I mean, I'm not saying I've mastered it or it's easy, but when you can kind of look at it as a gift, it really changes your perspective. So I, I encourage people to start doing that because that ideology really helped change my life. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of taking it, I started taking the tinctures, uh, the droppers underneath the tongue, which actually is the way that um, it gets into the blood brain barrier faster. You okay. hold the, the whole tincture, uh, put a whole full dropper is what I started with, 1500 milligram bottle, which was about 50 milligrams per underneath my tongue um, and hold it there for like 30 seconds. And I just, the first thing I started to notice was anxiety started decreasing incredibly. And I started taking it every single day. I eventually got off uh, my anti-anxiety medication. And then I started taking, um, you know, like pills, CBD pills that had other uh, supplements in it. This was way before I started the company. Um, things that had like turmeric in it and CBD as well, because CBD has a ton of anti-inflammatory properties. So it started helping with all this pain that I was dealing with too. So um, those were two of the big things for me. And in terms of sleep, yeah, I mean, I take it at night, every single night too. Um, and one thing I will say, I mean, the beauty of CBD is it's such low risk, high reward. There's no toxicity to it. So you can't overdose on CBD. Um, the worst that happens maybe, you know, you get a stomach ache or you get really tired. Um, but you know, you can't even say that about Advil or Tylenol. You can walk into CVS today and overdose on Tylenol and die. And we're right. selling it over the counter. Like it's nothing. So for me, I want to start being a thought leader and start pushing this space of plant medicine in general to show that, you know, the government needs to catch up to the realize that, you know, plants are helping people. And, um, you know, the fact that we're demonizing these type of plants, when I know firsthand, they've helped people and saved lives. Um, when I talk about plants, I'm talking about cannabis, hemp, um, and mushrooms, for instance, um, you know, that's kind of my next journey in life is to help push this narrative forward. No, I love that. And I, number one, I, I'm uh, in your corner on that and, and, uh, want to, want to come you on that journey. Um, is CBD something that you like, so is it something that you take for 30 days and you see effect or is it something you take it like the day of and see effect? So like what I'm thinking of is I, I, before this call, I told you that I, uh, have had seven concussions and my last one, like literally don't remember the day before the day of the day after. I mean, just, just wow. bad, bad effects, but because of that, doing? I was, what's that? What were you doing? All sports related. So six, six of the seven were like, actually I played lacrosse and football. And so six, six of the seven were in that. And one of them was playing flag football and I just happened to get elbowed in the schnoz. (laughs) (laughs) Brutal. But uh, my last one, because I was running my business, I couldn't afford, like when you get up to that many, you have to like, they encourage you to take like six months off, like work and thinking sort of thing. And I, running my company, I just couldn't do that. So I actually was on an Adderall prescription for a period of time and dealt with just that drug in general. And we could do a whole nother podcast uh, on my opinions of that. But like, that's, that's a drug that you put one in and you get the effects that day. And then it's out of your system that day. And Mm. 
you could be done. And obviously you can see the implications of how people abuse that. But with like CBD, is it something that like you may be on for three months, six, not on, but like you may take three to six months at a time and see effects, or is it more a matter of like, you can take one a day and feel some effects. I mean, walk me through that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So it's actually a little bit of both. So, um, the thing is it totally depends on your body type. So there are a lot of people that will take CBD to a certain dosage and they'll notice the effects right away, maybe within 15 to 30 minutes type thing. There are also people that, and we encourage people to take on a daily basis and think of it less like Adderall and more like uh, turmeric or more like um, ginger, ashwagandha, you know, supplements that you need daily use of or vitamin C. So like, think of like, if you want to increase your vitamin C and vitamin D levels to increase your immune system, you can't just take once and then walk away and you're, you're fine forever. Um, so while people do notice effects right away, it actually is more beneficial when you take it on a daily basis and build up in your system. And then people will notice that actually the days they don't take it. So, so often, you know, uh, my girlfriend, for instance, just mentioned this the other day, she was like, I notice the days I don't take it. And all of a sudden I'll have anxiety and I'll be like, man, what's going on? Oh, I didn't take CBD today. So, um, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Love that. Um, do you, so slight transition from obviously the product of CBD to being a business owner of a CBD company. How is, uh, how is running a business like boxing for you? Hmm. Well, like you mentioned, you, you got to get used to getting punched in the face. <laughs> I mean, or more figuratively, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, a, a lot of it is putting out fires and, um, you know, getting knocked down and getting back up, trying things, failing, um, you know, not being afraid to take risks. I, I think if boxing taught me anything, it was that I I'm willing to fail and I'm willing to embarrass myself. I mean, my last fight, I got knocked out in the third round in front of, I don't know, maybe a million, two million on TV, thousands in attendance. Um, I don't care. I'm willing to give my all to something because I can go to bed at night knowing I went for it. 99.9% .9 of the population is not willing to do that. They're afraid of what people think, what will happen to them. That's really what separates athletes and I think entrepreneurs is that I was willing to put the money in to spend my time and energy. This is my baby. This is my company. We're helping people. I, it's, I love it. So but that is the one thing I think that boxing helped me with. I'm willing to take those risks. And now obviously they're calculated risks, um, you know, depending on what, what I'm doing with the business, but, um, yeah, just not getting discouraged and getting, getting back up has been the biggest, uh, lesson I've learned. Yeah. I, I will say one thing, actually, it, one thing I have just learned on the job that I never could have learned reading, you know, books or going to seminars is that for me now is I'm hiring a team, you know, we've got probably I think we've got 15, maybe 16 people that work for us now. The company has really grown. Um, for me, it's less about skill set and more about EQ and work ethic, emotional intelligence and work ethic. And why I say that is I'd much rather have somebody who is all in, who is willing to solve problems, who can tell me, you know what, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll find, I'll find out how. And is willing, especially in startup life, to really have that high EQ and have that high work ethic. I take that 10 out of 10 over someone that has a bunch of skill, but doesn't have the work ethic or emotional intelligence. <clears throat> it's, 
I'm I'm kind of cracking up in the background of that answer because I my my video interviewing company that I was telling you about was founded on the idea. So I, I previously owned a landscaping and lawn care company, and when I was hiring for that. I didn't give a shit if you knew how to mow a lawn or weed whack. It was, can you shake my hand? Can you have a conversation? Can you put thought? Can you work hard? Can you do those things? And you can't really see that on a resume. And so mm-hmm. the whole idea of the product is we want to you know, create a solution uh, to help companies hire with video. But more importantly, we want to allow candidates to have a better opportunity to share more above and beyond you know, or who they are rather than just what they've done and what they've accomplished what they have accomplished via resume. And so the the whole attitude is about how do we create a circumstance that allows people to present that? Uh, Because you're right. I mean, you can have somebody who's as well-educated, you know, they they look great on paper, you bring them in and they're not willing to, they're not willing to work hard or they're not willing to, you know, go find out the answer or anyway. So I, I resonate with that entirely. No, it's tough finding good people that fit into that culture as well. And I think that, you know, I got to be honest of all the people I've hired so far, maybe I look at the resume for 30 seconds. As like if a that. <laughs> reference. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's about the energy they bring. Are they willing to work hard? Um, you know, all those things, those kind of intangibles that you mentioned. So that's, that's really cool that, you know, your company does that and highlights that. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's something that obviously you've seen the benefits of what it's like to hire with that attitude. When you have somebody who's got energy, you can teach them the rest. You can teach them majority of skills can be taught very quickly. And especially with somebody who has the energy to do it. And that's where you can just change the game when you have that attitude about hiring good people. So kudos to you on that. Um, what's, uh, what, what's, what's, what's the biggest thing that you can accomplish? Or if you're pointing your North, North Star on the company, what's your goal with it? Great question. Um, you know, right now for me, it's just helping more people. I think that's kind of been our North star. Uh, when we started, it was never, we want to get to, uh, you know, 10 million, 20 million, or we never really put a bunch of metrics on it. We're two and a half years in and it just keeps growing. And so, um, for me, I, I really want to, um, expand, help more people. I think ideally once right, it becomes a hundred percent FDA regulated, um, I'd love to see us on the shelves of, of Target or Whole Foods. Um, that'd be a dream for me to kind of walk into those retail places and and see yourself right there on the shelves. Um, I think that'd be a really cool moment. Um, but in the meantime, we love playing in the DTC space um, just online and, um, you know, just continue to help more people. I mean, we get testimonials all the time. So, um, you know, we always say we want to help a million people. That's kind of uh, our lifetime goal, and uh, we're going to get there sooner than later. Absolutely, of course you are. Um, what's your uh, What's your north star in life? Mm, I think to keep growing. You know, I think that's that's really what what it is for me. I'm such a competitor that every day I wake up and it's like, how can I get better? I mean, whether it's you know, I just got into surfing, so it's like with surfing, I'm starting to get obsessed with it because it's like, how can I get better? And I'm competing against myself whether it's with the business, how do I, be, how do I become a better CEO? Um, I think that, you know, that type of progress and bettering yourself every single day is, is really important. And that way you're not, you don't have comparison syndrome against other people. Um, so. Yeah. I love that. My, uh, my favorite question on the planet and uh, two parts to this is uh, part one is what gets you out of bed in the morning. Part two is, uh, Ultimately, if you meet somebody and you only get to spend 30 minutes with them on a podcast, for example, what's what's the impact you want to leave on their life? So number one, what's uh, mm. what gets you out of bed in the morning? Number two, what if, if you got to choose the impact or the influence that you left on somebody's life, what would you want that to be? 
Great questions. I think what what gets me out of bed in the morning has changed. Um, and I think it used to be become world champion. It used to be, you know, win this fight. So many different reasons. Uh, for me now, it's it's helping people. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, progress, just growing. So um, getting out of the bed in the morning and that, that purpose it, it was not or is not as strong as it was when I was an athlete. It's getting stronger and stronger now. But like I said, that identity shift, it's a work in progress. I'd be lying if I said I jump out of bed with as much clarity and purpose. It's it's now a new transition that every single day I'm, I'm trying to battle with. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And then what can I leave people with? I talked about it earlier. Pain is a gift. I mean, that is it. I think that so many people in life go through pain, mental and physical. And the moment you get to realize that you get to dictate um, what that pain means to you, it's really the only um, control that you have. Um, you can't control what happens to you in life physically or mentally, um, whether it's a sickness or you get fired or a relationship, but you do get to control what that means to you. And so I've learned the hard way that pain is a gift. It has become the greatest catalyst for change for me. And um, I choose to see pain as a gift as in leading me into something uh, beautiful that normally I wouldn't have seen. I love that. Mike, uh, is there anything else you want to leave the audience with? We'll also include show notes of uh, links to the business as well, too. But yeah, anything else you want to leave the audience with? Yeah, just anybody that wants to reach out. I mean, um, I'm at official Mike Lee on Instagram. Um, we're uh, mysoulcbd.com. Um, so, you know, if you want to reach out to me personally or at mysoulcbd on Instagram, um, I'm always willing to connect with people. So, so you can't control what I know a little bit about the business. Of course, man. Mike, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. You just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter Show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to su subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at themattbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, or Facebook as well too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way. And don't be afraid to share the Map Baxter Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye.